and the title of this message is um, Two Cents. Okay? Two Cents. Um, so let's pray. Okay, Lord, we thank you um, for this evening, Lord. The opportunity that we have and the privilege we have to commune together in fellowship, Lord, and may we not take it lightly. May we not take it lightly that we are in your presence. And God, may we expect nothing less than transformation than to see you work and speak and move within our lives, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and under the authority of God Almighty, that each and every person in this room, Lord, myself included, leaves this building dramatically different than when we came in closer to you, Lord. And Father, only you can do that. Lord, and I pray that you would be present and that you would have your way. Even in this prayer, Father, if it's your will to change up this service or this message in any way, we want your Holy Spirit to have reign here. Amen. God, I ask that you would not allow me to say one word, but that only your Spirit would speak that which you desire to go forth. Lord, because it is only your word and your power that can change a life. Lord, man's word may challenge, but you will change. And it's change we need, God. We pray your anointing in this place, Lord. That you would saturate every chair, every heart, every, every piece of carpet, every fabric. Lord, just may your anointing continue to flow as it has all through the worship. Thank you for being here, God. Open the eyes of our hearts now that we may see and be transformed. By the power of your word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to speak tonight um, a little bit about two cents. And if you're wondering what the title means, maybe this will help, uh, help settle it. Um, your two cents, God doesn't want none of it. Okay? He doesn't want your two cents. He doesn't want my two cents. And all your two cents will do is cause great error to perfection. Two cents. He doesn't want it. Obedience is kind of my uh, the theme of my life this past year, and actually it should be all all the time. But sometimes it just takes uh, some of us hard to get in uh, a longer time to get into the rhythm of obedience, full obedience, full submission to what it is that that God is trying to do uh, within our life. Um, and when I think of a story of obedience, I think of um, the the amount of times that God has asked us to do asked us to do something and we didn't do it and there was our chance gone and sometimes he gives us chance after chance how much will it take when does obedience become disobedience I would say the very first time that you don't obey but I would like to share a story about a chance where I got um, one two three chances to be obedient and was disobedient in all three. Okay? And God worked it out so that I could see how powerfully He can move. And all He wants is us to obey. He's not interested in our two cents. Let me tell you about my two cents. Um, we, uh, we were vacationing in um, a place in North Carolina, um, a place where you go out and it's kind of off to yourself. Like you can take a vehicle and drive right out on the beach. and It's really, really sweet. And um, 
rent a house there with um, a bunch of family, so you have to buy groceries on vacation, which man, makes me kind of sad. It's like work to go to the grocery store. Although I don't even go often. Uh, but um, Kathleen and Cindy Ezekiel and I out for something. Not sure what it was. Um, we probably just wanted to get out of the house for a while. And we were in the grocery store, and I'm just trying to picture this so I can be accurate with the story. Um, we're walking down the bread aisle, we come around this section to um, where there's like a dairy section and uh, uh, together, like maybe they would keep um, meats and stuff back there in a, in a freezer section. And um, I, I see this man with his son, and it was one of those moments where you know this is an appointment. This is an appointment. This is what God sent you to food line for. It wasn't to get the wrong kind of sugar. It was for a specific appointment. And I looked at this man. And then I looked away and I did a double take, which you're not supposed to do at the same sex or the opposite sex. Definitely the same sex. And, and I just did this, this double take of sorts because I knew that it was an appointment. Okay? And so um, I, I look at him and at, at the double take, he looks at me, and this creates all kinds of awkward tension. I'm like, <laughs> my two cents was, this is awkward, this is uncomfortable, and, and I'm hauling freight. I'm leaving. <laughs> and I'm leaving. And I walk up to the store, but the whole time I know God had something in that, and, I, and I'm afraid I missed it. And so I'm talking to Ezekiel, who was a, a little boy then. I was like, oh man, what are we going to do, Ezekiel? And we go up to the front, and I see him checking out. Ah, can't do it. And um, Ezekiel wants a water gun, so we plan to walk to the dollar store, and I, I, I see him getting in his truck. I mean, everything is just lining up. I'm supposed to speak to this man, and it's very uncomfortable, and I do not want to do it. I watch him get in his truck. At the same time I get in my car, I could very easily say, Hey, brother. Uh, he gets in his car. I get in my car. Um, he goes his way out of the parking lot. I go my way out of the parking lot. And lo and behold, we end up right behind each other at the same stoplight. And I can remember seeing the decals on his truck and everything. I knew this was an appointment. And I said, okay, Lord. I follow him to his house. <laughs> so I'm going down the road. I'm going down the road. And I say, no, that would be weird. Because everybody's vacation here. That would be weird. So I go home, and then I begin the, the typical prayer that we do when we feel like we're missing the assignment. Lord, I pray for that person. I don't know if I was supposed to talk to him. I really don't know what all the orchestration was, uh, was about there. But I feel like I missed it, and I am sorry. And uh, I just lift him up to you, Father, and, and forgive me. Went on. That was, that was day one. Uh, night six or seven, however long we were there, um, we put you know khakis and white shirts on to go out on the beach so um, we can take photographs. Kathleen and I and the boys, and the beach is wide smack plumb open. Not nobody as far as the eye can see. And I'm driving out. This is going to be nice. And here comes this big truck behind me. And I was thinking, well, they'll turn off soon because they're just four wheeling on on the on the sand. And so I keep driving, they're right on my tail, and I begin to get irritated, thinking, um, can't they just leave me alone to take my pictures, you know? And so I finally just pull it over and go let them pass. And oh, well, they pull right over. And I was like, hey, And um, I look over, I was like, well, we're just going to take the pictures here, because I ain't going down the sand anymore and take a chance of getting stuck. And, uh, and um, I jump out. 
Kathleen jumps out, get the boys out. I look over, and my face just drops. It's that man with his family. And what's so shocking about that to me is, all you've been on vacation, you know how uh, rare it is to see the same person twice in a in a hustle and bustle uh, a society like that. Everybody's got their own agenda, um, you know, running here and there. And it was him. And I still didn't want to go back. Can you believe that? Still didn't want to go see him because it, it must have been God must have really been wanting to do something. And I was like, man, can I can't do it. So his his wife starts walking over towards us. He's like, can I take pictures for you guys? And I was like, oh Lord, great day. I'll go. I'll go. And guys, that's a true story. That's an account where a man, despite his, his just disobeying the voice of God, but God wanted to show. God wanted to show me something, that obedience is everything. Obedience is everything. And it's not about you. It's about you and I being willing to sit and listen to what He says and then do it. Then do it. And if we can simplify it like that, we can learn a valuable lesson. Um, The two cents theme um, is dawned on me just while I'm here because... Um, God's just revealing things in my life that, that um, to be honest with you, it troubles me a little bit. Um, not, in a, not in a bad way, but I, I can't explain that now. But just things that things that are part of your life. And where did they come from? Did they come from the mouth and ideology of man? Because that would explain why it's imperfect. That would explain why the church looks very, very uh, different than the church we read about in Acts. In the church we read about that had the, the fresh power of the Holy Spirit upon it and you've seen lives change, you've seen miracles happen. That would explain it. Uh, would I be wrong to say that, the, that uh, speaking in general, the church looks very little like the Book of Acts church? Yeah. And you think about this, guys. We, we talk a lot about the advance in technology and with the advance of look how far we've come there's so many powerful theologians leading the way, taking us deeper and deeper into the Word of God. And I would like to suggest that the more the theologians have sought to put themselves into this, the more God has been kicked out. More man in, more God out. And all of a sudden, the two cents have become very, very, very costly. And we can't fall victim to that. Okay. Now, I just spoke of something that's more on a a widespread scale concerning um, um, the um, the um, the infiltration of man in, into uh, the ideology. Not all of it's bad. Many of it's great and powerful, guys. But we need to check ourselves that we're being obedient, and that our two cents, which is the ideology and the opinion of man, is not getting into the perfect word of God and contaminating. What's he saying in your life? Whatever he's saying is obedience. Turn to Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. There. There. First Samuel 15. I read, um, starting in verse one. Samuel said to Saul, "The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord." Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he 
laid wait for him in the way, and he came up from Egypt. Okay? Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And you think, well, man, that sounds mighty harsh of God. That sounds mighty harsh of him to, to ask Saul to, to go and find the Amalekites Slay them all, sparing not one. Okay? How many of you think that sounds harsh? Just be honest. That sounds harsh. Are, yeah. It sounds harsh. Okay? You know what they did to God's babies? To God's most precious? Maybe you don't. Uh, you can find it in um, Exodus chapter 17. You can find it there. Let's go there. Uh, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. Here's what they did to his to his children when they're on their journey out of Egypt. Um, uh, in verse 8, came Amalek, fought with Israel. And, and this is the story about Moses and Joshua and, and her standing up there. They're holding Moses' hands up as Joshua's doing battle. And as long as their hands are up, Joshua prevails. Okay? That's why God had a plan to destroy the Amalekites. Okay? They were messing with his children. They were messing with his children. Keep that in mind. God said what? Destroy them all. Okay. Uh, Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and he laid wait in the valley. He said unto the, uh, the Kenites, Go, depart. Get you down from among the Amalekites. Um, unless I'll, I'll destroy you, for you showed kindness to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to shore that is over against Egypt. Okay? He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Somebody say the word. Alive. Alive. Somebody go back and read for me. Verse number three, the first sentence. Now somebody read to me the first sentence of verse eight. Okay, somebody read verse three, the first sentence again. Now go. Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Can somebody read verse 8, the first sentence again. Kill them all. Kill them all. To take care of all of them. And somehow, for some reason, unbeknownst to us, because we're never guilty of of twisting God's commands or words in our life. Saul thought it fitting to take Agag alive but destroy everybody else. Well, uh, get this. Um, in verse number 9, my Bible says, uh, but. And one of the things I always like to say is obedience does not have a but. Never. Hmm. Never. And it says, but Saul and the people spared the spare and alive sound anything like killing them all? No. No, it doesn't, it doesn't to me either. Uh, regardless of translation, it just don't go together. Killing everything but sparing a few is not the same thing. 
So Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of all the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. He would not. He would not destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. So, I mean, I guess that isn't so bad. He got most of it right, right? I mean, he took care of all the bad ones and then he left Agag and the best sheep. Well, wait till you see what he's going to do with this. Surely, surely you'll give him a break, right? Let's carry on. So, um, the word of the Lord, um, he came to Samuel saying, It repenteth me. Okay? Well, that means I regret. And your word probably says that. I regret, I regret that I set Saul up to be king, for he has returned back from following me. He did not perform my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. He cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose to meet Saul in the morning, uh, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he, uh, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What's this bleating of the sheep I hear in my ears now? Okay? Where are the men and women who are going to stand in that gap? To call out the ones that makes a little bit of man with a little bit of God and actually call it obedience. It's nothing but pure disobedience. Where are those Samuels at? What is the bleeding of the sheep I hear in my ears then, Saul? If you did the commandment of the Lord, then why do I hear sheep? And says, Saul said, uh, they, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people, they spared the best sheep and of oxen and sacrifice. So, so they could sacrifice it unto the Lord and the rest we have already destroyed. Alright, well everything's fine now. Everything's fine then because, because he was going to uh, make a sacrifice for the Lord which is a noble and honorable and respectful thing. Give him a break. Absolutely not. Because the word of the Lord did not say kill everything but Agag and the best of the sheep and oxen and sacrifice them to me. Saul had no idea um, uh, the the attack that they uh, made in Exodus 17. Okay, that attack was on God's people. God then said that He would wipe them out. It was God's perfect plan. What business or right does Saul have sticking his two cents into the perfect plans of God? He has no right to do that. And you know what the truth is? You don't either. Zeke doesn't either. I have no right to stick my two cents in to a perfect plan that He has prepared for us that we cannot see yet. We cannot see it. Why? Because we just can't. I can't give you a theological reason why we can't see it. We just can't. But by faith, we walk in obedience. It's all about obedience. Samuel, what's his bleeding the sheep? Saul said they brought him back. Look at verse 19. Why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? Why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? And guys, what, what I see in verse 13 is something that um, is so subtle and so tricky. And may God reveal it to us tonight. If it's there, 
is self-deception. We think we got it right. We think we have it right. We think we're operating in full obedience and submission. We think we do, but really, do we? Is our complete submission in the Lord? And there's only one option. Either we obey or we disobey. And Saul disobeyed. You know what it cost him. You know what it cost him. Are there Saul's in this room? Yeah, because I'm standing here. Are there Samuel's in this room? I know there are because I've met you. Are there those in here tricked by deception? Dig deep into your heart. Nothing is more sweeter than exposing your heart and letting it bleed and then letting God heal it. Okay? Yeah. Let God heal it. What is He saying to you? Is He asking you to um, submit your life fully to Him? Is He asking you, what is it? I mean, it can be as simple as stuff like, like praying for someone on the altar. Man, I know how that stuff feels when you're sitting back there and you feel like you've got a word to release and your heart's beating a thousand miles a minute but you can't make a step or make a peep because it's just weird. Or if somebody is praying, and guys, obedience is big, it's little. Obedience is obedience. So if God asks you to um, go pray with the president or he asks you to come pray with me, it, 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 both are obedience. It's not how big or small. Is he asking you maybe for the first time in your life to surrender your heart to him, receive him as your Savior? It's all about submission. Uh, the only thing, the only thing in this life that you and I possess even somewhat close to being worthy enough to be presented before the Lord is your obedience. That's it. That's why, because we, we should finish this and it says, um, Samuel, had the Lord uh, go to the end of that, I mean, not the end of, but the 22 and 23 of the chapter 15 of Samuel. Uh, has the Lord greater, as greater delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. It's all about obedience. It's all about obedience. How do you obey? Boy, that's the golden question. How do you obey? Guys, if we if we want to be, I'll tell you what I want to be in this life. One thing. Besides a good husband. And a good dad. There you go. I want to be an instrument of revival. Wow. Yeah. That's it. And I know you guys do too. Um, I didn't say that so you could wow me or anything. I, I mean that it's I'm with you guys. I want to be an instrument of revival. And the only way we can possibly get in a place where we can be real instruments of revival is to completely submit our lives and obey His voice whenever, wherever, and whatever He speaks. Doesn't matter how stupid you look. Doesn't matter how silly you look. Doesn't matter how crazy you look. If you obey, you will be an instrument of revival. And I want to see revival. I know the world may come um, to a sudden screeching halt in a couple months. And it, it, whatever. But today, I'm worried about right now and then tomorrow. How can I be an instrument of revival? even in Walmart, even in Sam's Club, okay, wherever we're at. And I can tell you this, God loves 
every person in this room with a special love. And he loves you as much as he loves anybody or has ever loved anybody. So I want you to know that. Everybody. How do we get to that place of submission? I'm going to teach you a lesson tonight. Okay? Not I, but Christ. How many of you would receive a word from a lamb? Do y'all know my last name? Lamb. How many of you would not receive a word from a lamb? But I'm going to take one from a sheep. Okay? A lamb and sheep are somewhat close. That was three feet kind of a joke. But it's not even a joke. Thanks, Joe. Sheep. Not the bleeding sheep. The sheep. Y'all ready for this lesson? Yeah. Amen. This lesson is going to blow your mind. I mean, it's deep. It's deep. Very deep. You know the... How do you know the voice of the Lord? How do you become... The, how do you get to know the voice of the Lord? When Dustin's holding up his Bible, and you're 100% right. Absolutely. A lot of times, yeah, well, I agree with words and, and, and hearing from the Lord. I do it myself. But ain't nothing like this. You're looking for a special word? You don't have to. You got... I don't know how many words is in the Bible, but I'm going to Google it. And it depends on which one you go with. But it's a lot of words in there. It's all His word. So you got divine revelation. Look no further. There it lays. Right before you. You want to hear from God? Turn your ear to Him. Now, there is something called intimacy. And you know the Lord as you be intimate with Him. Um, um, knowing somebody. Getting to know them. Um, so we're going to try this. If, if Judah, come stand with me real quick. Please. I'm going to pull a mic demonstration. So I got a baseball bat. <laughs> Judah, face me and close your eyes. Um, what I want to do is when I point to you, I want you to say, um, I want you to say, Judah, I love you. And then I'm going to ask Judah, who was that? Okay. Uh, Correct. Stay here. Judah, I love you. Lindsay? Judah, I love you. Dad. <laughs> Judah, I love you. Lindsay? Judah, I love you. Let me try. Let me see. Do an example real quick. Can you use an example, brother? Stand right beside me. All right, now you do the same thing. And I'm not picking on this because you're new. I was new a couple months ago. Right, close your eyes. When I point to you, say, Tyrell, I love you. Tyrell, I love you. And you tell me the name. Praise the Lord. Heart's going crazy. Tyrell, I love you. All right, we're going to move on. That was 
song. So we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Cabriel, I love you. Here. All right, brother. Give me a hug. All right, the point is this. Why did Judah get them all right? Why did Judah get them all right? He spent time and no you. Why did my man Tyrell, who I hope I didn't embarrass, why did he get them all wrong? Except Because he hasn't heard them all enough. He hasn't heard them. He hasn't had that communion that comes with time. Except for Pastor Eric, perhaps, and Matthew. Okay? But he's getting to know them. And so he knows their voice. And so when he hears that voice, he can identify that voice. Um, and thank you guys for helping me with that illustration. I would have never done that to myself. <laughs> Turn to John chapter 10. And... Um, We'll finish this off. John chapter 10 um, is this. And I want you to learn a valuable lesson from a sheep. And in a few minutes, I'm going to transform from a lamb into a sheep. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you. And I don't want you to do anything about it. Except go out those doors and do it. Do it. Um, I'm going to turn into a sheep now. Y'all ready? Turn on the yeah. sheep. You ready? Ready. I am stupid. <laughs> and all I can do is bleat. And all I can do is eat. And I'm stubborn. And if I get too far from my daddy, I do not know how to find him. And when I say too far, I mean from here to the door. If I fall on my side, I cannot get back up. I am the stupidest animal on the planet. But I have a principle peg that you will only hope for. I only know one voice. And it's the only voice I follow. All other voices I run from. And they don't trick me. I know one voice, and that's the voice of my shepherd. And I follow that voice. I'm the dumbest animal on the face of the planet. But if you'll listen to me, you can learn something. Follow the voice of your shepherd. That's what a sheep would say to you. He's very incapable. He's very inadequate. Very stubborn. Can't do nothing for him or herself. They have a principal peg that I long for so bad I can taste it. They know one voice. And any other voice that tries to rise up, they don't just say, oh, could that be from the Lord? Could that be from the Lord? No, they don't. They take off and they flee. They run. If it looks suspicious, if it looks tricky, they run. In the Near East, they play a game like this. They'll throw all the sheep into the middle of a big, what's a group of sheep? A school? A flock. And so a flock of sheep. And and a shepherd will get here to the east, and a shepherd will get to the west, and a shepherd will get to the um, all different directions. And now they will each shepherd will call a sheep, and it's a competition to see who can herd their sheep back the quickest just by calling the voice. And without exception, the sheep never go to the wrong 
um, to the wrong holding area. They know one voice, and that's the only voice they know how to follow, and any other voice they consider, it's a thief, it's a robber, get out of here. You want to submit to the Lord? We've got to get to that level. We've got to be dumb as a sheep. (laughs) Dumb as a sheep. And then we can get it. And we don't only, only, only can you and I get there from intimacy. Intimacy. And, and, and this, is, this is all the Lord had given me to say till I was praying. And then He uh, placed another scripture on my heart. And then as, as Matthew and the gang is singing and praising, um, He begins to speak of the verse that, and I actually wrote it down before He spoke of it. Luke 10. Let's head there. In Luke chapter 10. I want to tell you about this thing called intimacy. There's something called intimacy with the Lord. There's a lot of things in this life. Your job, your family, your reputation, your health. A lot of things in this life can be stolen from you. There resides one thing in this life that nothing can touch. And that's your relationship with the Lord. So give it your very best. Uh, Mary and Martha, uh, here it comes to pass. Jesus Jesus entering to a certain village in a, in a woman's house named Martha. She received him to the house and, and she had a sister called Mary. Uh, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Martha was distracted with much serving. She came to him and said, Lord, um, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come help me. Um, um, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. I don't know how he would have said it, but he wouldn't have just said, Martha, Martha. Um, He would have said it with some enthusiasm. Um, You are careful and troubled about a lot of things. You're troubled about many things. There's one thing that is needful. And Mary has chosen it. And it cannot be taken... And it cannot be taken away from her. That's all you have. That's all I have is my relationship with the Lord. In that relationship with the Lord, you become to know His voice. When you get to know His voice, then when He's speaking, you know which voice, you know the voice to submit and obey to. When you submit and obey to only that voice, you um, prepare yourself as an instrument of revival. And it's a daily thing. You don't just all of a sudden get there and you're like, man, I'm there. Man, I'm an instrument today. Because tomorrow, if you give up on it, you'll be, maybe the Lord would say this to you, I regret that I anointed you. I don't want to hear that word. I tremble to think about hearing that word. God's got a plan for your life. Surely He told you something in this message. Surely He revealed something to you as He did to me. Whatever it is, obey. Whatever area it is, obey. Submit. Whatever it is. And it could be anything from um, being willing to surrender your life to Him and receive Him as Savior. And it could be something as, you know what? I need to, um, the Lord's asking me to, to give more money to something or something like that. I'm just throwing out examples. It's, it's going to be specific to every individual in here. Boom, boom, boom. All around the room. It's going to be different. But whatever it is, learn this lesson from the dumb old sheep. Do it. It's His voice. 
He'll never lead you astray. Just do it. Okay? He doesn't want our two cents. He doesn't want our opinion. You know why? Because you don't deserve to have an opinion. I don't deserve you to have an opinion. Do you not think that God paid a big enough price to be able to tell us what to do? And He did it not so He could even tell us what to do, but so that we could have communion and fellowship with Him. Does He not deserve our all-out obedience? Yes. Then let's give it to Him, guys. Let's give it to Him. Let's bow our hearts before Him. Go out of those doors and give it to Him. Because He, he deserves it. He deserves all of us. Not half of us. Not a quarter of us. He deserves all of us. I pray. Lord, thank You so much for this night. And Father, thank You for um, Your Word as it goes forth. And You tell us that it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharp, Lord. It pierces our hearts. And God, I know that You've spoken to my heart. God, to, to teach and preach on submission when feeling like such an inadequate vessel, God. But I'm just here to encourage and to be Your voice, God. I need it as much as anybody else. Move in might and power in this place, in this church. Um, show us where uh, reveal to us areas in our life where, where we're not being obedient. And we need to be obedient and fully submitted so that we can prepare ourselves to love you with all of our hearts and minds and soul, to love our neighbors, ourselves, to go out and do the Great Commission and be an instrument of revival to this nation, God. May this church, Life Changing Ministries and Fellowship, be a corporate instrument of revival to Sugarland, to Houston, and to this world, God. In Jesus' name, may your anointing always fall fresh. May your wind always blow fresh in this place. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Allow us to know you more. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.